Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Big Jim, joined with... I'm Andy Goode. And... Producer Rob. Hello, boy. That's how I feel. You know, just producer Rob. Well... Down and depressed. Well, I'm not. Well, I am absolutely buzzing. What a weekend of ruggers that we're going to get into, Andrew. Lows to get through. Not just for the Calcutta Cup match. We can touch on the Dublin game. No, let's talk about England A putting 90 points on Portugal. Oh, we'll talk about that. Oh, okay. That'll be in the good, won't it? (laughs) Kevin Murley, big shout out to you. Drama. In France as yes. well, called it. Yes. Called it. And Ireland's dominance, yeah. which we both called. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Do like, we have to talk about the Calcutta Cup? We have to. Yeah, we will. We have to. We will. Plus, we've got our mate Dan Bigger joining us again this week. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Subscribe on Spotify. Oh, boy, Rob. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendour. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It's class to have you mate. The feedback on the last episode was very good. So it was great to mix it up. And I don't know what happens, Biggs, when you're on the TV, but your anecdotes before the game about how Wales are going to play and how they were going to get into the wider channels the kick into the wide channel on cue. First player of the game from Wales. I wonder if Borthers went back and was like, actually, we should have listened to what Dan Bigger was saying before. Biggs knows his onions, doesn't he? <laughs> he knows, knows his, his onions. And he gave it away, though. Yeah. So you're very good on TV. How did you enjoy it, Dan, being pitched side? I did enjoy it. Really enjoyed it. I enjoyed still being part of match day. So it was quite nice to be part of that in a, in a less pressured environment, if that makes sense. Yeah. I was pitched side at the weekend. Were you, James? Yeah, I was pitched side. Big with, Jim Show Live. Oh, the Big Jim Show Big Live. Jim I was going to say with, with yeah. ITV or BBC. Or... I thought you'd have been in the stands with Gerald Butler and J.K. Rowling. And, uh, oh, he was Jim trying to get in there. He was trying to get in there. I was chatting to J.K. Rowling for the whole of half time. So I'm trying to get her Ooh, on the podcast. Divisive but... character. Divisive yeah, yeah, character. Yeah, you have to be careful divisive. talking to these people, yeah, James. But that's not my genre. That's not my, my field of expertise. So That would be a good guess for the pod. Fair play. Yeah, no, she'd be good. But I was chatting to her husband, actually. Big shout out to Neil, who's a doctor. We were talking about child obesity. Um, Rob, why are you laughing? <laughs> why are you, you laughing, Rob? We were talking about cereal, cocoa pops in supermarkets. That's how deep we went. That was our halftime analysis. But talking of being pitch side, I know Biggs, you obviously love it, Andrew. We love it as well. But I was there pitch side at the weekend. It's a great place to be. It is, yeah. I prefer being in a pub hosting something. So. <laughs> Biggs, where were you? I was actually. Very, very much man flu last week, and I'm lucky to still be here this afternoon, lads. I was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, literally laid up in bed. So we played Poe away actually on the weekend. I was gonna so, say, I, look, I had a look, um, I had a look, you weren't playing. I'm like, he doesn't fancy Poe. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was laid up and um, just about managed to get myself right for the weekend to, to watch some of the rugby and, uh, and bits and pieces. But I was lucky to survive. We actually had a hell of a week last week. So Monday, my eldest had a year infection, so we had to take him to the take him to the doctors on on Monday. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, basically knocked me out for six. And then we- 
Wednesday evening just managed to muster up a little bit of energy to take the baby outside and he ended up having an allergic reaction to like a caterpillar which is which is out oh here his God. face was all swollen like that so we had to take him to the doctor straight away then at like six seven o'clock on Wednesday night feeling like that so uh, shout out to my wife for um an absolute trooper of a week she's had so she's had to put up with a fair bit this week wow. so come um, home Dan Dan come home get <laughs> yeah. fucking out of there now <laughs> hey. oh my word it's kids that's it like our kids have been ill yeah, and like Rob's nodding his head as well Biggs and like we're not selling it but don't have kids because you, or just yeah. get a nanny or get a nanny. Get a nanny. That's what you yeah. need. Yeah, but this well, is a different I, bigs. I, I'm yeah. gonna have to get a. Few, I'm gonna have to get a few more quid in the bank first, Goody, like yourself, and then I'll be all right together. <laughs> in the long term, it saves money, I reckon. Yeah, I like the bigs <laughs> who's been on the show for two weeks now, and he's already started whinging. Yeah, <laughs> we've changed him. We've changed him. Whinging about the kids. Yeah, I don't know whether it was that bad. I think it was the fact that he had poo away, and he was like, yeah, I, I didn't fancy it. But how do you get there? We're too long. Are you get, like? Is it buses still? No, luckily because because of how far it is, it's uh, it was a plane. So if it was a bus, I could understand your point, Jim. But with a plane from Toulon Airport, it wasn't too bad. But we got Perpid on home this weekend, so I think I'll be all right for that one. Yeah. I remember playing Toulon at home for Breve, right? On a, I'm sure it was a Friday night game. And Tana Umung is playing for all coaching them, I think. Mm. And Bujolau was the boss and all this stuff. And they've lost to us in Breve. And they were supposed to fly back. And he went, nah. He cancelled the plane and made him get the bus back from Breve to yeah, Toulon. Twelve happens. hours, like. So the old team manager managed to talk him round in the end to get him to put the flight back on. <laughs> and um, uh, and he called him in on Monday morning and he said, "You ever do that again? You're ab- you're the first one out the door." Oh God! Really? <laughs> so so things things have changed. Things are a lot more stable now than um, than than they were back in those days. But um, I mean, it's still still French rugby. Still highs and lows, Jim. You know, Bugudi. You know what it's like. It's the highs are, are very high and the lows are very low. So um, it all depends on the result on the weekend. So um, we've struggled a little bit over the last few weeks. So the mood is a little bit lower than, than you'd expect. So um, hoping for a win this weekend. Producer Rob, where were you? We're talking about what we were doing at the weekend. Biggs is in bed, Goody's at the pub, I'm pitch side. Where are you? Oh, it was a rough one. Oh, were you ill? I am now. Yeah. <laughs> Me and the lads went up to Newcastle to watch the games. Horrible. Really? Yeah. Sure Wait, where'd you watch it? Uh, went at the Shark Club right next to St. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to stay in that hotel. Oh, nice. The Sandman. Yeah, we didn't stay in there. No? No. That's no. where they put me up. We stayed in the travel lodge down the road. No, there you go. Spot <laughs> 30 quid a night. <laughs> Hang on. So why have you gone to Newcastle and stayed in the travel lodge? Why haven't you gone home? It's a Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. How far is it from you? Well, about 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many pints? Only four, well, I don't know. Responsibly? Three or four. 30 or 40. More importantly, Rob, how was yesterday after it with two kids? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. That, that's why it steals the sunshine. I don't drink anymore. Like, you can't trust me. Don't trust me, I don't drink. You're one of them. Well, Ravo came up, my best mate came up. Um, well, you posted the picture of you two and I'm like, they're going to have a big night. They no, are going to have a big night. That was on the night. way home. Oh, was it on the way that's home? That's as sad as it was. That's like oh, 11 o'clock. I know I you're not on Instagram. Pigs, we need to get you on Instagram. It's all happening on there. Maybe when I retire, I can, I can venture on there, I think. Yeah. Safe enough, then. We know a man that, where you can buy a load of followers in Indonesia and When you say Albania. we, you, James. <laughs> yeah, you. not me. Uh, Rob. Rob said it for the algorithm. You but, bought yeah. 125,000. Yeah, but I should have celebrated. You should have. But we didn't. And that's the thing. I saw that picture of you. I had a bit of envy, to be fair, even though we lost. I'm thinking he's going out, he's going to Tiger Lilies, all this stuff with the lads. Had a FaceTime with Andrew Brace. I said, mate, you did well. I thought you ref well, right? Yeah, and we'll come on to it in a bit. I'm in the pub and I've actually tried to FaceTime him at half time. <laughs> <laughs> he says, so John Lacey, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, John Lacey's like his mentor, his coach. 
and he obviously goes in at half time and checks his phone to get a bit of feedback. And he said, all I'm doing at half time is trying to speak to my fucking coach and this FaceTime of Andy Coop keeps <laughs> popping up and he's fucking denying it. Anyway, so he sends me, he FaceTimes me with Finn from the aftermatch function and yeah. Finn's just there giving me the bird and all that stuff. And I'm, I've got home at this point, so I've taken myself away because I had to work on Sunday up in Leicester at the England A game. And he's in his room getting ready. He's like, it's going to be a good night. And I've seen the picture of you going out and I'm thinking, oh, I'd love to be there. But No, it's good. I did see Bracey before the game, actually. And look, mate, the refs are getting a hard time at the minute. And we haven't spoken about it with you, Dan. The grand slam that never is. We're calling it the fan slam now. You, oh, because no, I'm not the Scotland, you are. Yeah, I'm calling it the fan slam. But you've got to win all your games to win any sort of slam, right? Yeah, but in, in my mind, we beat France. <laughs> and that was a conversation. Around Bracey. Jim, I'm glad I wasn't on the pod that week after that. I don't know how how I'd have managed with you after that, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I was pretty matter-of-fact about yeah. it. I was. And... I thought they, I mean, we talked about it, didn't we? And in the way it was managed, because he hasn't seen the ball down, I don't think you can give the try. We all know it's more than likely a try. Oh, right? don't, don't be, look, likely, you don't yeah. need to say that now. Like, yeah. we we agreed that it would've, was a try. Would have, should have, could have, though, eh? Would have, should have, could have. But should we start with the could have and did have? You've won it again, Jim. We have. The end. Right, let's it's move on to Wales, Wales Island. It's not let's even a thing now. I'm going to ask Dan first. <laughs> Hand on heart, right? Be honest, because caused a few dramas myself with the England players in the week. Like Ben Earl weren't happy. I don't think some of the boys were happy because producer Rob did a hell of an edit on a video saying that I had Scotland to win by 15. I actually had them by eight, but I did say 15 at some point. Well, blow me down. Um, wasn't I right? <laughs> well, this is the thing. You can say these things on a podcast, but when people say, put your money where your mouth is, you bottled a bet, didn't you, with Austin? Yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah. you said, oh, okay, I, I meant by eight points. I said by eight points. But I did say by eight and points then, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, but then Austin comes at you on social media and says, should we have a bet on it? We'll have a grand. Mm. And you went, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go a grand on Scotland just to win. I heard it was the weather. <laughs> I heard it was raining. So I didn't want to double down on it. But Biggs, be honest, mate. Because we went back and forth. Did you have Scotland winning that game before? I had Scotland by five. I was a little bit panicking after the first 10 minutes of that, of that game for my prediction. But um, i, I got to be honest, I thought, I thought Scotland were very, very worthy of their win. I thought they were by far the better team over the course of the 80 minutes. And, and if anything, probably deserved a bigger margin for victory, I thought. No, that's enough from Dan Bigger now. Thanks, Dan. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I was very happy. Yeah. Do you know what it looked like to me, boys? I don't know what you thought. It looked to me as if it was one team that looked completely in control of how they wanted to play, and the other team looked as if they were almost forcing a way to play. I'm not 100% sure England really are that comfortable playing the way that they're playing. For me, I don't, I don't I don't care what style of rugby you play, me personally, as long as it's winning rugby. I appreciate you've got to grow the game. and But at the minute, with the players that they're picking, that England team doesn't look comfortable in the way that they're playing. And if you want to play this more exciting brand rugby, then pick all pick everybody who plays for Quinns and Northampton. Here we go. Or you, you go back to your type, which effectively got the job done in the second half against Wales because they... They went back to type and they, they battened down the hatches a little bit and reverted to type and got the job done really well. You, you're always dictated to the style of play you play is by your players. Yeah. And for me, it just looked as if Scotland were completely comfortable in the way that they were playing and England looked a bit uncomfortable, to yeah. be honest, in how they played. I think, like, I don't want to go... We're going to talk about how England play, but first and foremost, let's talk about Scotland because they've won the last four Calcutta Cups, deservedly so. It used to be a thing of Scotland... When I played, and historically it'd be 
Scotland might win once in a blue moon now. It's like England might win once in a blue moon. It's flipped completely, hasn't it? Now, with someone like Duan van der Merwe, you know, just ridiculous. Last year, he scores the wonder try at Twickenham. This year, from the turnover, the second try, he scores... He's just like a man mountain, isn't he? Mm. So they make the break and credit Scotland. I actually didn't think Scotland... You've had your second biggest win ever against us. And we didn't play that well. It didn't play that well. No. But you were always, in, like Big said, they were in control yeah. of how, you know, Finn, even Gregor comes out of the game and said, you know, that last 20 minutes we should have ran with the ball more. Finn controlled the game beautifully without, you know, just producing moments of magic or chucking it around. And in the first 10 minutes, I think, what was it, 18 minutes in, we're 10-0 up and looking comfortable. And we were putting Scotland under pressure with the blitz and there was a few errors, but they stuck at that and then they profited from an England error. Another England error and another England yeah, error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another <laughs> error from scrum time. You know, they make the break, they capitalise and they were so clinical. You know, even Cam Redpath comes on and, you know, Finn gets his kick charge down. England are at sixes and sevens. Cam's, you know, there's a little nudge from Finn on Ollie Lawrence, which is, you know, perfectly fine. But England all honeypot to the ball and, you know, Cam makes the break and then England are all over the shop and Finn pulls out the perfect game. They did come from some England errors, but Scotland were always looking like they were going to win that game once, you know, they got, once they got once that first the try. The storm, yeah. yeah. And they didn't play that as well as they could. No, so it just shows how good yeah, they can be. Exactly. And like Dan said, and like a lot of people are saying, and like we were chatting about last week, like you know how Scotland are going to play, right? As in there's a clear identity with Finn there, with the wide passes into the mm. channel. Can they get past the blitz? I know we were joking about it before to, we though, came on, but that that one kind of, it was a bit of a clutch kind of crossfield kick, yeah, wasn't yeah. it, that, that went into Duan's, or bounced and then into his hands for the, the hat-trick try. But there's a clear identity there of how they want to play. And I saw enough in the game against France in the first half, in the first half against Wales. I feel as if we've got power in our team now with Jack Dempsey at eight he can get over the gain line you've got George Turner you've got Scott Cummins you've got these lads that come on to the ball yeah. with a little bit of pace and can kind of give us the opportunity then to play wide but what impressed me the most was how much pressure we were under for the first 10 or 15 minutes there'd been this big build-up we've got England's number uh, all the emotional drivers that England came with with yeah. the passing of Jamie George's mum and they came with a really kind of simple game plan or so it seemed and it looked like they from where I was watching and the feeling it that they had the same energy and the same kind of game plan which they did change as they had against South Africa that up and under game the short box kicks the kind of 50-50 balls to knock back and then they were winning the kind of whatever I don't know what you call them Biggs or Goody we call them the crumbs that were kind of bouncing crumbs, around yeah, yeah. yeah like them 50-50s they scored a first phase off the scrum, mm. and I'm thinking, fucking hell. Quote, unquote, England are on. Yeah. Like the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, they were on physically. Sam Underhill breakdown. They were banging boys. They were physical. But the thing that impressed me most about Scotland was the fact that we rode that storm. We didn't start well, and we got ourselves into the game. And like Goody said, like you know the identity. We look comfortable but we looked comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. against a team that were fighting for their lives and they yeah. were desperate. And then yeah. just on that England point as well, that was the thing we were chatting about last week, Biggs, is like, how are you going to play? You bring Ben Spencer on, he's a box-kicking eye. I think that that suits England, but then you've got Feo Wabosa who needs to get the ball in hand as much as he wants, mm. but you've got no Freddie Stewart in there. You bring George Martin on the back row and he drops that kick in the backfield. Even like How many times has he been in that position? Do you know what I mean? So they are still kind of all over the place. Yeah, I mean, my, my issue with it is started well you know accurate and our accuracy went and then might sound a bit harsh saying this we looked 
lost in attack. You know, we were going one out runners. Genji was trying his hardest, but there was no structure to our attack. I felt George Ford went missing, which some people might think that's a bit harsh, but comparing him to Owen Farrell, when you're 10 is the alpha, the leader, balling at people, telling them where to be, what to do. Like we had none of that after 20 minutes. It was all like just waiting for someone to try something or do something. There was, didn't seem to be any structure and we looked very lost in attack and we've got an inexperienced coaching team in terms of under Steve. Wiggy's a good mate of mine, right? Richard Wigglesworth. He's our attack coach. But between what they're doing on the training field, if they are, I presume they're looking to evolve and, and have shape and identity in attack to then on the field, it disappeared and the energy of our performance and we we were slow, our ruck speed was really slow, one out runners, which obviously makes it easier to defend against and, you know, when you need someone to stand up and as a 10 and lead and telling boys what to do, you know what it's like, Dan, it's like herding sheep sometimes, isn't it, with, with forwards. I've got to be honest, I never felt, you know, you guys just mentioned now, you know, England started really well, got to a 10-0 lead. I always felt like Scotland had the ability because they know their game really well to come back in into the game. Once Scotland got ahead, I never felt like England had the ability to come back and claw mm. that game back, if yeah. that makes sense. Because yeah. because almost every time that they, they gained some, a little bit of momentum, they'd go to that sort of slowing the game down, box kicking it, and weren't really getting a huge amount from it. And yeah. I think probably summed up where the two teams were, that when you are comfortable in how you play and you've got a little bit more confidence in, in your ability, you find a way to get back into games and you find a way to ride out the tough times. Whereas when you probably are still trying to find that identity and find that confidence in how you're trying to play, it's so much harder to get back into it. And your point, Goody, on George Ford, I thought George Ford two weeks before against Wales grabbed that game by the scruff of the neck yeah. in that second half and dragged this team through, was probably unable to do that this week because of so many errors that they made as a team. And I just felt like that probably didn't help him as well. But it was a really tough watch if you're an England fan that second half, I've got to be honest. Scotland looked comfortable throughout the whole the whole period, really, I thought. Yeah. Until Faye Waboso comes on, and George Martin had a little dig as well, no one really running with spite or trying to you know, run over, run round, you know, break a tackle. It just seemed lacklustre. He offers something a bit different, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He offers something he a does. bit different. Yeah. And every time he got the ball, he looked scary yeah. and that's where like as in it's interesting listening to Dan say that I don't know whether this is my history of playing against England but I was worried about our bench coming on so when Joe Marler comes on against Elliot Miller Mills who's fourth choice for Northampton I'm thinking fucking like as you just naturally worried right yeah. as in, it's Joe Marler coming on our bench has struggled historically in games before the strength and depth of Scotland has been brought into question I've questioned it as well so I was a little bit worried but yeah, I just think like things started going our way. We did if, whatever the rub of the green is. But you know what I mean? The bounce of the ball, the crumb started bouncing up. Hmm. Like the scrum, we held our own. We got a couple of kind of short free kicks off the back of that. As much as it was a scrappy performance, like in a way it felt such a complete Control, performance. Yeah, controlled. It was a very un-Scotland performance almost, yeah, Jim, wasn't it? Exactly. In terms of winning those types of scrap, you know, we, we all know that they're capable of playing some some brilliant rugby and, and sort of probably a little bit sort of when the highs are really high in the game, they're magnificent. But when they're when they're when they're not on it, then things are a bit more catastrophic. Whereas I think the last this Six Nations and probably is summed up a little bit by Finn as well in terms of I think Finn's had a really really good Six Nations. But what I think has been really good for him and for the team is that he's almost been just quite level, and he's just been yeah, quite 100%. rather than having loads of high moments and then some some really low moments, which kind of 
is what you associate with Scotland. I think he's just been pretty constant, pretty accurate in what he's done, few errors. And the, the rest of the team have kind of fed off that because all of a sudden at 10-0 down, if Finn thinks, decides he's got to try and pull a rabbit out of the hat or and then all of a sudden you go 17-0 down from a charge down kick or an interception or something, That's then it is a different game, for. isn't it? That is what I was hoping for. Yeah, <laughs> but even like how, you know, like you're talking about Finn being level. So he turned up to the live show on Thursday, 48 hours before, loads of hysteria. And like he was very direct in terms of what his captaincy there. You know, we were like, can you chop a pint? He's like, of course not, game in 48 hours. But the old Finn would have chopped to fine okay. but he's very clear on what was coming we were like you know how do you think England yeah. are going to play they're going to rush me in defence they're going to put me on the floor very different to playing against France where they rush on the players outside so he knew what was coming but the one for me was chatting to him after and again he had a can of tenants in his hand and it's it's Finn can right so yeah loves <laughs> it mate our old school he was keen for a scrap you know you could say he's got and it was warm as well I was like that a fucking boy you can't drink tenants cold no. after just from the shelf that's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what he said and listening to him talk about how level like he was in his mind as captain and respectful but he was like we expected to win yeah like we expected to beat England and we know we've got a job to do in Rome. Yeah. Like, we want to get to Ireland and be in a position which we know, like bonus points that we've dropped and stuff like that, we're probably going to struggle. But as a captain, as a leader, as a lad that puts a smile on people's face, just the level that he's got now, like he's grown up. Like that's what it feels yeah. like. The control on and off the pitch feels like it's just yeah, aligned. And it shows you how much, you know, Biggs being the, the same for Wales and Owen being the same and Johnny Sexton... It just shows how important the tennis. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of the barometer for the team, aren't you? Really, and mm. you know, like like I said, maybe before Finn, Finn was a little bit more up and down, wasn't he, Jim? Probably mm. in terms of his performances. Whereas now he's he is very much more, a lot more settled, and those errors have come out of his game, and he's just playing with so much confidence at the minute. So I think that's that's obviously helped them massively. I was speaking to Ben White this morning actually, because um, he's obviously here in Toulon, and he was saying at sort of ten nil down, there was no real panic from them. That first try for Van der Merwe, they they almost gifted a little bit. So they almost got gifted a bit of, you know, from England's blitz defence off the scrum. I mean, it was about as bad a scrum defence as you can as you can come across from, um, I think it was Slade and Lawrence, wasn't it, in terms of just shooting up. And, Lawrence has stepped yeah. in and I reckon he stepped in. It's the 10s tackle, but I reckon he stepped in because if you watch George Ford shape in defence, he ain't interested in going at Tuipilotu there. It's a 9-12 bigs, right? So, And then you've got the play out the back and they've come off the blitz and it's a new... Both is usually the excuse after the game around combination, the combination yeah. of 10, 12, 13 have yeah. never played together. George Ford's got 90-year-old caps. Lawrence has got 26 caps. Yeah. Slady's got 60 caps and it's a new system. So, I don't know, that doesn't sit well with me, that. Yeah, Andrew's yeah. not happy. <laughs> I could tell, Jim, I could tell. But you know, we worked <laughs> under Sean for... 10, 12 years with Wales and we never ever defended like that because it's such a yeah. vulnerable place to defend. Yeah. Any half mistake off a scrum, you're probably going to be under your stick. Especially without your nine on your inside of the 10 as well, Big Zay, on that side. Exactly. I, 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 did, I did feel like that was... There's times to be aggressive in defence and I actually quite like the way that the England are trying to be aggressive in their D, but you have to pick and choose your times and um, I didn't think that was the right time, I've got to be honest. And it and it invited Scotland back into the game. Yeah. Now, if that game had stayed at 10-0 for another 10, 15 minutes, then you, you, know, you never quite know how the game was going to go. But Ben was also telling me that there's no way that Duan van der Merwe scores a hat-trick for Edinburgh against Zebra on a Friday night in, ja in January. He was saying that he's looked after well and he produces on big occasions. He steps up for the big games and you need X-Factor players, right, internationals. But well, let's talk about his stats then. He scored 26 tries in 37 tests for Scotland. It's all right. It's better than all right, isn't it? And he loves playing the big games against England, right? Because, and I mentioned Faye with Bosa, then it's the same in Wales with 
Lewis Rees Summit, there was games, I'll go back to that Wales Scotland game up in Edinburgh a few years back when you were playing bigs, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lewis Rees Summit wins the game with a Chip bit of magic, over, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you need those players. And Duan's been that player for Scotland, along with Finn. Um, but they are now very comfortable in how they play, whereas England have lacked that, I think. You know, we've got someone out on Faye Wabosa, but stick them on the end when we've lost. Mm. And you've mentioned Ben White there, Biggs. Gregor wasn't happy after the game, was he? Yeah, about Ben White being back in too long. No, 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 no. He didn't mention the top 14 uh, clubs. No, he didn't, no. He mentioned the Premiership clubs. Even though well, there's, there's no, no games. Yeah, there's no games. That's but, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, there's no games, but obviously pretty vocal post-match criticising the Premiership clubs for not allowing his star players to join the Scotland camp, which I understand his frustration. He didn't mention the top 14 clubs in Ben no. White, for example, but, or Blair Kinghorn, he's probably got to go back as well. Mm. But this is the thing, when you're talking about Duan van der Merwe, they get the right to look after him and he ain't going to Zebra away or he ain't playing some of those games. And you mentioned his knee. If he's playing at a premiership club on 350 bags a year, if that's what it was, and this is the, the thing, we always talked about Biggs going back yeah. and grafting for Saints, didn't you, Biggs, in between Six Nations? And it's tough. And acting yeah. like he loved it yeah. as well, where I've been there, Biggs. <laughs> you, I don't know whether you're comfortable to say. I'll be honest with you, Northampton were unbelievable with me. And I reckon about four times... I reckon I had to go back in the four years there. Chris Boyd in particular was just incredible in terms of, he sort of said, look, we know that it's not ideal for you coming back here, driving up the motorway and banged up after two weekends of playing international rugby. So so quite often he'd sort of look after me and say, look, we're not going to play you this weekend, but just make sure you get your rest and recovery in rather than that. And Yeah, I think it's criminal. I think it's something that definitely needs to change. 100%. But Premiership Rugby have to protect... Regulation the, 9. But yeah, they and, their, and their interests. Yeah. And... The deal they've got with the RFU. Yeah. In my opinion, the game has moved on so far now that you can't hide behind a contract. You can't hide behind a legal letter and saying they need to be released. But we're talking about player welfare. We're talking yeah. about like the best athletes yeah. playing at such a high level. But from Premiership Rugby's perspective, yeah. they're saying England pay for the right for that. Mm. And that's part of the whole professional game board agreement. So they're saying England pay for the right to have their players whenever they want. So then all of a sudden, if they if that's gone, and we all hope it is gone around the global season at some point, but as it stands at the minute, Premiership Rugby then don't have a leg to stand on with England, and, and England could just go, oh, we'll just, we don't need to give you any money, and then yeah. we'll just take them when we want, mm -hmm. which means the value of their league diminishes yeah, even more. And I that's the that. difference between, you know, and Greg is saying it, and I get it, you want all your best players, and you want to look after them, as it stands at the minute, you've got to have them playing in your own country. Yeah, and, the, and that's the argument. Yeah. yeah, well, that is the argument. And I mean, like, who have you got this weekend? You say Perpignan. Perpignan, yeah. Right? Perpignan home, yeah. Yep. So Perpignan home. So Ben White's gone from that game and everything around the match and emotional and physical, and then he's got to go to Perpignan. Not Perpignan, he's got to go to Perpignan. Yeah. I, I just, and I've done it right, so I can say from my perspective, I had a six-day turnaround, played against Wasps, got, got a pants pulled down, then had to fly from <laughs> Birmingham on Sunday night to Edinburgh to train on Monday and then I put my back out I had to fly down to London on the Wednesday to get an epidural in my back Why can't fly you get back one in to Scotland? Edinburgh why can't you get an epidural in Scotland a specialist I don't know I had to come down and you then you ain't got any in Scotland well not for the people they so wanted to you do want, you want our top physicians and doctors as well as you want everything yeah. I might have just fabricated the story to make it sound worse <laughs> but then I played in, against England six days like six day turnaround did you win? 
Nearly. <laughs> I was fucked. My body was wrecked. And I yeah. was like, I know we're going down a rabbit hole and it's historic, but it's happening right now. Biggs has done it. You know, I've done it before and we're watching players now. Yeah. I just don't think, if we're talking about player welfare, and I'm all for five games on the spin, so I'm not saying about that. I just think that you're going into a different environment, different training. You know, if there's, I don't know, fucking whatever, some coughs going around or Biggs has got the flu and he, he's next to Ben McWhite. We need Ben. We need Ben for the Italy game. He's got to be 100. And th- th- this is just a biased opinion. No, I understand. But I understand the legal jargon, regulation. And also, also, there is a responsibility on those players. And Biggs would understand that he was said he was lucky that Saints looked after him so well. But you take a bigger contract. Yeah, I agree. And it's like what we say in France. You take a bigger contract to go and play in France, you play a lot more rugby. Mm. And it's, so it's not just the headline number of what you're going to get paid. Some players are luckier than others, aren't they? Let's be honest. I think you've you've summed it up perfectly there, Goody. I think if if you do decide to play outside of the country, which which can have the ability to protect you and look after you a little bit more in terms of game time and training wise, then you have to accept that that's that's life. But but also as well, you know, I've I've also been on probably on the luckier side of the draw compared to compared to some other people who've probably been slightly less less fortunate than Rinsed. me so it, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's call it as it is yeah yeah maybe we'll finish on that big song we'll ask goody because you've gone would you move some of the older players on now and start thinking about the future like that's where goody's gone all in and yeah, you feel I, like you've got a responsibility which yeah. is absolutely fine i, I well speak to, to so about. many england fans who are now like right great we've had these players we've got these players and it's hard saying look at what wales have done with a lot of the elder players you have to regrow somehow and, you know, the likes of Joe Marler, the likes of Dan Cole, brilliant players, have been amazing servants. Look at Courts, right? Courtney Laws, we know he's signed for Breathe now. Oh, my breath. Like, he has... 6.50, apparently. <laughs> just just, just well. what I've heard. He's done what, well. Have you, have you, did you boys just see the announcement video that yeah. we did for him as well? But yeah. It was some video, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so good. I played to them. Yeah. They did, yeah, a, they did a brilliant I, job. Yeah. I was trying to pause it on the contract just to see if I could see the Euros, but obviously <laughs> no, you're not going to yeah. get... Like, I do that on the football contracts as well. It's like they <laughs> yeah. ain't going to see it. But, but I, yeah, yeah, I genuinely think now, I was at the England Day against Portugal game on Sunday, there's a lot of good young talent here in England, but we're reticent to sort of get the broom out now we've had the world cup you know there's this evolution steve keeps talking about it's a young and inexperienced team it's not we've got 99 cap danny care we've got george ford on 90 odd caps marla dan oh. cole you know there's Jamie a lot, Marrow. there's a lot of experience yeah. in that squad but there are players i think now that we're waiting for them to tell us when they don't want to play for England anymore mm. as in a player just saying right i've had enough we need to be proactive now there's the likes of you know, you've got Ellis Genge, as you, as you loose said, prop. We've got Abano, who has been tearing up trees for Bath. As I loose said, Joe Marler can keep playing. Same with Dan Cole. You know, we've got some of these young, tight head props. We've got Asher Apoku for Jaw at Sale, who's going really well. Joe Hayes. You know, younger guys that now, you know, you can start to push because there's a number of other players as well. And I don't want to just go through the whole list, but it's time. We talk about evolution. I generally believe now, you know, we'll get to the end of another Six Nations would have played five, won two, lost three, and there's no evolution. Honestly, from when you speak to the England fans, what we've seen over the last, you see fr- little shoots of good stuff here and there, but it's more negativity and doom and gloom without an evolution, without an identity. And now's the time for the reset button to be pressed by Steve. And I think he needs a, a, a big attack coach to come underneath him and, and help him evolve. Goody, would you take, for arguments, I know you said the last couple of seasons they've gone two out of five, haven't they, in the Six Nations? Would you take almost another, say, two out of five if they were to go with 
these new young players like your your, your Furbanks, your Finn Smiths, your Dingwalls, yeah. your Pearsons, all these guys, would you accept that or would you think the England fans would accept that a bit more if they could see progress and a different, perhaps different way of playing? Because there is a massive jump up between club rugby and international rugby, isn't there, in terms of, yeah, you know, you're probably going to yeah. need a bit more time. But do you think the, the the whole country would get behind that a little bit more rather than perhaps where they're, they're obviously not quite comfortable at the minute doing that I think they would the the England fans are desperate to get behind England and they were starting to come round but we're we're still in the same position now like we we were poor against Scotland so you know we've got England fans going oh we might take 50 against Ireland we absolutely might if Ireland played to their potential but I I think if you carry on doing the same thing it's definition of madness isn't it doing the same thing and expecting different results And, and so we now need to change and evolve and you know like play Finn Smith at 10 or let's hope Marcus Smith mm. is fit. We know what George Ford can do. He's good in some parts. He was really good against Wales in the second half. I think he went missing after 20 minutes at the weekend. Let's start to back Finn Smith and have George on the bench mm. against Ireland if Marcus isn't fit, or let's build the team around Marcus. Would you still keep those players in terms of, you know, like your, your George Ford's, your, your Danny Cares, for was sake, as that experience and backup on the bench or in the squad. Well, it's a tough balance, I suppose isn't it? as a safeguard. A little bit like what Wales are like at the minute, probably. Wales are probably two or three or four senior players away from being potentially a really, really good team. And yeah. I know it'll take a little bit of time, but I think Wales have got these youngsters who are playing really, really well. But if they had maybe two, three, four more, you know, senior, senior players in amongst that squad, maybe not even in the match day 23, but just around the group as well, maybe that is a bit of a, a transition period for them then. Yeah, you know? but it's also hard, isn't it, as that player that's been 90-odd caps or whatever and then saying, yeah. listen, mate, can you just come along and hold a few bags and help them out? You ain't playing. But you know what yeah, it's like, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's a really hard balance. Yeah, and- I think that just on that, Goody, I think they've bowed down to public opinion on how they should play. Yeah, I, I like seeing England kick. I like seeing England you be are. physical at the breakdown. You I, like you like seeing England yeah, kick. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's a really effective game plan. I think how they played against South Africa and at points of the weekend where the ball goes up in the air, there's jeopardy, and then you've got players like the young Feyerabosa coming on, and you interject this kind of like these, these one-off kind of moves off first phase where you've got an Ollie Lawrence or a Manu Tuolangi like running down them channels. I like that. Like, I, I don't think that the rush defence. You can't just magic a blitz defence. Yes, it takes time. You know, and they're based on Felix Jones with South Africa. Like, I, I, I understand the thinking mm. of that of having the need to evolve that drastically. But I think they bow down to public opinion, which I think is the wrong way to go. Like, I understand the Harlequins and the Northampton model when you've got the players in that. But Biggs will know better than me because I hardly won any international matches. You need a clear simple game plan like Wales and I say this respectfully Wales aren't that far away like you look at Wales like with what they're building so with Wales when we were successful for that 10 year period we look, we weren't the fanciest team in the world by any stretch but we stuck to what our identity was and we had the players to play that game and you look at Wales now they simply haven't got the players to play the way that we played five, six, seven, eight years ago so they've had to find a new identity and try and play this faster paced game and try and expand a little bit more now it's going to take time and it's going to be it's not going to be easy but I think I wouldn't make any excuses if you're a team that are successful and winning I couldn't care how you play I, and that's my my opinion I all all that matters in international rugby is is winning and I, and I know you've got to grow the game I know you've got to keep people entertained and and things like that but 
generally from winning matches, you keep people entertained and, and interested in coming along every every Saturday or every Six Nations in autumn, you know? And that's the point. England have won two games in the last few Six Nations. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so, you know, you stuck between yeah, a rock and a hard place. Every, no, but everyone's talking about evolution. Even Eddie Jones was talking about that. We haven't ever evolved, have we? Well, Over the last four years, no, you you haven't evolved, no. But Evan, there's talk. And we're still of getting the same results, yeah, because you're looking to try and do stuff like as him, try and do more, try and do more. We want the attack. We need Owen Farrell to do this. We we don't want him to be putting up the up and unders like the box kicking game is really boring. Like you know, oh, you need that in the game, but you're not to the extent that England. Yeah, I know. I, well, there was enough. a couple of moments in the World Cup that was yeah. the thing where yeah. it was like you know they were kicking, but that's now programmed and ingrained. I I go back to I think it was about four minutes before the end. Ben Spencer's put a box kick up and we were slow. Yeah. It's not necessarily Ben Spencer's fault, but that's what they're all programmed to do. I'm like, mm. we're two scores down, lads. You got where's the tempo? Yeah. Where's the desperation to go and try? Yeah, and... that was the one for me where it was like they just kicked, yeah. but they, they didn't know whether they're they programmed needed to, to kick. do it. Yeah, they didn't know whether to kick. Like Ben knew it was probably the right option yeah. to, if it, everyone was set up for the 50-50, but no one was set up for the 50-50 because yeah. they're thinking we need to run it. <laughs> anyway, just to end it all, Scotland have got the Calcutta Cup, but England are above Scotland in the world rankings. And that's all that matters, lads. Yeah. World rankings. <laughs> well, hey, well, we're on for the triple crown. That's all I know. Okay. Yeah. The fan slam. The fan slam. The fan slam. But we've got to come Congratulations, Jim. Yeah. Congratulations, Scotland. You deserved it. So I see how humble I am now. Just quiet about it. One day we'll win it again. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. One day, but if Scotland are going to win the fan slam, we've got to beat Ireland on Paddy's weekend, which is in a few weeks, so it doesn't matter. What were your thoughts, Biggs, with the game against Wales? Uh, what were my thoughts? I, I actually thought the first half wasn't, it didn't actually feel like an international match in that sense. It felt very much just like Ireland were, Ireland were going through their motions. I actually thought Ireland were okay on the weekend. That's probably the least impressed 
I've been by them this tournament and for the last probably last 12 months I thought they were I thought they were okay they did enough Wales probably didn't help themselves with nine penalties conceded whether they were were, were right or wrong but what I am impressed with Ireland is that they are so 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 well drilled that every single person yeah. I, I mean every single person knows what shape they're running what yeah. what their role is their timing I'm not and again they, they weren't perfect on the weekend Ireland but they they're just so well drilled they've got so much power in that front five in particular that they just get themselves over the gain line and life is so much easier for for the rest of the team if they can get themselves moving forward and um you know Wales rallied in that second half and I actually thought Wales Wales have shown some really positive signs over the last few weeks without probably really being really at the end of the, the you know the score the score line sort of thing I know obviously against Scotland they came back and and England but I thought I thought there was there was a big difference between the two teams on Saturday. One team was at the very, very top of world rugby and probably Wales were, were in that transition period and it, and it showed on Saturday, I thought, but I thought, I thought they could be, Wales could be really proud of the effort they put in and stuck at it. At half time, Biggs, and I'm looking at it and Ireland were in second or third gear, weren't they in that first half? Yeah. Whilst looking really well organised and attack and all this stuff. Their attention to detail around clear outs, we spoke about late the other week, the lines people run, just how ruthless they are at the breakdown creates such fast ball, right? And I tweet, <laughs> here we go, tweet again. I tweeted at half time, this could be 50 from Wales, like, because Ireland yeah. were in second or third gear. Were you worried at half time that it could be an absolute hockey in or did you know Gats has got some messages in him that you know spurred the boys on for that second half? I actually think Ireland should have been maybe a little bit more ahead at half time. They had so much dominance and you know, I don't think Wales could have complained if they were twenty, twenty-five nil down at half time by 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 any stretch. But I think the the opening ten minutes of that second half, I suppose really I suppose stopped it being forty or fifty goody, yeah. to be honest, because yeah. they, they came out with an attitude of taking the game to Ireland a little bit more. Again, a little bit like what they did in Cardiff against Scotland a few weeks ago, up the tempo a little bit and put a little bit of pressure on Ireland because in the first half they put absolutely zero pressure on Ireland. So it was a it was a walk in the park for Ireland in yeah. that first half. But they, you know, they they put a bit of pressure, got a penalty try, got a yellow card, had some moments in that twenty two. And I'm, no, I I don't think even if they'd have scored from that period of pressure, they'd have gone on to win the game. But I think at least they were able to put, for a lot of people are saying, the best team in the world under pressure for 10, 15-minute spells. And, and ultimately, Ireland had, like you said, Goody, Ireland had two or three more gears to go up to, even if the game got brought back to 17-10 or 17-13 yeah. or, or whatever it was. Um I think Wales can be really proud because they're not probably in the same breath as Ireland at the minute. The, the teams are very, very different. But I will say, I think I think Ireland, Ireland deserve all the plaudits they're getting at the minute. They're an incredibly well-coached team. Their attention to detail is second to none. Their physicality, their basics, they give you very, very little, which is demoralizing when you're playing them. I've played against Ireland so many times and you feel like they just give you absolutely nothing which means you've got to work for everything you get. They'll clearly be favourites going to Twickenham and, and clearly favourites Whoa, 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 whoa. A grand slam. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I was really encouraged by some of the Welsh lads. I thought Cam winning at full-back was really, really good again. I think he's been a, yeah. a, a brilliant find in the he Six was. Nations. I thought Aaron Wainwright again went really well. Real Dyer on the wing went really well. And, you know, there's some there's some real positive signs for Wales and some some individual performances. I agree with what Gat said a few weeks ago. This team's got the potential to be a really good team in probably, you know, a couple of seasons' time. They're not there just yet, 
but they've got the potential and the the attitude and the appetite to learn and and the hunger to get better to to challenge teams in in perhaps years to come. And, and actually, I I think they'll fancy themselves against France in in a couple of weeks' time in in Cardiff with with obviously how things went for for France yesterday. Yeah, you have to be careful laughing when you're living in France at France, but they were bad. George North quickly, Agabazi, as a you know a seasoned campaigner. Over 100 caps. Yeah, I'm shocked, Biggs. I was chatting about George North. You know when he was going through his concussion stuff on the wing and he yeah, was really yeah, struggling yeah. to get back and then they put him in at 13. You know, I played against George, Yeah. for example. You played in 2013, oh, the British yeah. and Irish Lions Tour in Australia. Do you yeah, know what I mean? You yeah. talk about a player that's been there and done that, but it's more the way that he's played the game. Like direct, loads of contacts, loads of collision, in traffic. You know, he is a bit of a phenomenon, really, yeah. isn't he? And I to go from great. the wing, yeah, and then to go into 13, like, I think that centre partnership looks great. Albeit, like, the one thing yeah. coming from that game is around, and it's easier to talk about it than actually play against a team like Ireland, but is around line breaks. Like, I think I saw something like Wales were one line break the, one the line whole break. match. Yeah, compared to Ireland's 12. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think that that lies necessarily just between like a 12 and a 13. But Well, that's how good Ireland's defence is as well, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Which doesn't get enough credit for Everyone talks about Ireland's attack and how good their shapes are and how everyone, like Big said it then, around how everyone knows their role. And, you know, you've got three guys going to the line, you've got the ball out the back, you've got the next pod that are all running different angles. So you're getting one-on-one -on -one collisions, you know, whereas compared to England, you've got Gens trying to do it on his own because we don't know what we're doing and how we're supposed to attack. So you're getting three defenders smashing one player. Therefore, you don't get quick ball. Ireland are so good at that. But flip side of it, their defence as well. Yeah, Like one one man competing at breakdowns and causing whatever numbers on his uh, back. Yeah, it was whatever number. So whatever yeah. channel you're in. Like yeah. James Lowe, Matt yeah. Hanson when he's yeah. playing. Bundy's been in there. Yeah, the back row is phenomenal over the ball. But then... They're all on their feet. They're all organised yeah. and it's so hard to break down. Well, just, that goes yeah. back to Biggs' point of they give you nothing. Yeah, and just on that as well, it's like when Wales get the ball right and the ball's 10 minutes more in play than it was for the Scotland-England game, right, which is a lot, right? So 10 minutes more. Yeah. When you get the ball, you must be absolutely <laughs> fucked because of what, you know, the amount of defence you've had to do. And yeah. when you look at it, it's almost like a computer yeah. game with Ireland. Do you know what I mean? The way that they're kind of in sync, that is tiring to play. Do you know what Ireland do really well as well, guys? They they apply scoreboard pressure on you. Mm. All of a sudden, the game's at seventeen nil down. Now that alters how the how the opposition play. I, I said before the game, Wales have to have to keep in the game and have to keep it tight because if you allow this Ireland team to get ahead, they just dictate play and they force you to play in ways perhaps you don't want to play. You use a lot more energy up trying to move the ball because you're 17-0 down. Perhaps you don't go to your kicking game or your, the game that you've worked on all week and you feel like you have to force something or and then all of a sudden a loose pass or overplaying a little bit brings their physical dominance into it, their their brilliant defensive work into it. And, and all of a sudden, like you said, Jim, you're actually pedaling really hard not to go very far. How many times do you see Ireland not kick three points? In, in international rugby and back themselves by going to the corner and turning it into five or seven points. And all of a sudden then the pressure on the scoreboard and the pressure of what that does to you as a nine and 10 and force your decisions and force your hand is almost as as impressive as, as anything they do technically. So I think that's something that they do absolutely brilliantly and just force your hand so often in a, in a rugby match. Silly good, eh? Unreal. How much you reckon they're going to put on England? I don't think England are as bad as you're making no, out. No, no, I'm just well. That's why yeah. I'm asking you. I, I think it'll be closer. I, I think England are going to win. Go on, the boys. I don't know if they'll win because this Ireland <laughs> team look unbeatable, like in how they're playing 
and it, there's still a few question marks over England, but I think England give them a proper game, mm. whatever that means. Well, Scotland got 30 points, didn't they? How many yeah. could Ireland get? Wow. They score a lot of points, don't they? Yeah, but England do well against Ireland. Do I would we? say, well, at, you've at had a couple of red cards well, over the last yeah. two games. Yeah, Twickenham as well. You say we did well. Last time we beat them was 2020. Pre-COVID, Jim. Yeah, but you don't include COVID, so them two years of our lives have been wiped deleted. off. Deleted. <laughs> They've been deleted, so a couple of years. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Because from an England fan, you don't beat Ireland. We just need to fuck up the yeah. Grand Slam. That's what we need, France. To, we need to. We need to ruin their Grand Slam. How cool would that be? The Triple Crown. It's all on. Let's not, to, let's not go to round five. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting carried away. You boys I'm, have got to get I'm, past Italy. Yeah? What exactly? Well, should we talk about Italy? Let's. Should we go straight to the headline yes. of it? So yeah. I watched it. I had the kids, as I say, it was chaos yesterday in my house. I was due to come down to London, so I couldn't rewind. They wanted to get Netflix on the TV. Dad's leaving for work again. Dad, please don't go. You've... Please don't go. <laughs> so I saw it all on social media. Now we're with two great people to talk about this and Rob. Fly off, aren't you, yeah. Rob? You're a fly off, aren't you? No. What are you? Centre. <laughs> Thinks he's a fly off. Same thing, though. <laughs> yeah. Ball playing yeah. kicking centre, Rob, yeah. That's it. He's a ball playing centre. I actually thought you were a back row. Well, you used to be a back row. I play anywhere, mate. No. <laughs> I fucking play anywhere. I play anywhere. Mate. Apart from the row. So people who don't know that Rob's about five foot five. <laughs> and a half. With heels on. Yeah, yeah, he is. So at the end, what I didn't realise was Paolo Garbisi. So one, it's not windy, right? So that's the first thing to say. It's undercover. <laughs> But I didn't realise all the melee that was going off in front. No French word. I don't mean scrum. Well, you can say from that. That's where melee comes from. But the ball falls off. The water man's on. The physio's on. They're charging down. I think it's a physio. I don't think it's a water boy. Well, there, there's someone. That's detail. There so, is someone. Someone's on there who yeah. shouldn't be on there. Why shouldn't he be on there? If well, he's treating someone, he's actually allowed to be on there. But he won't treat anyone. Well, he kind of was, and then he was stuck there. And he was, hello, hello, hello. I, am, I will spray you with the ice. Um, Biggs, what would you have done there? Because the thing is with Italy, right, they've never been in that position, right? So that's the thing. that The shot clock's on. It's the, the kick yeah. to win the game. They're in France. Paolo Garbisi is experienced as he is. As a team, they're not experienced. What would you have done in that moment if that was you? It's a really, really hard one, isn't it? Because I think he was probably really conscious of the shot clock, first and foremost. I don't think probably he was... As soon as the ball's probably fallen off the tee, it, the first thing that's come into his mind is pressure on the time. So he's probably there not thinking of somebody else in front of him or he's just looking to try and get that ball back on the tee as quickly as possible and not get timed out and I suppose take that decision out of his hand. So, I mean, looking back, it, I don't know. It, it looks as if there perhaps could have been a, a retail or even the shot clock be reset or something. You know what I mean? Mm. But I, I think I'm not sure I'd have done too much different. I got to be honest to, to Paolo Garbisi in the moment. I think it's really easy when you're looking at it from your sofa and to say, oh, you should have stopped or whatever and things, or maybe even the... You ain't stopping there, are you? I, I, I don't think but so. Garbisi and Biggs and I have been in that position where you're kicking the goal. Garbisi's done nothing wrong. Now the shot clock's in and kickers know that pressure, right? So the unfortunate thing is if it doesn't fall off the tee, he probably slots it, they win because he kicks everything else in the game, doesn't he? He kicked the conversion from the touchline. It's then mm. the ball slips off and everyone's going, oh, they should have reset it. You can't reset the shot clock because the ball's fallen off the tee. He's getting charged down as well, though. Well, this is the thing. So, And it goes back to Biggs when he was at Twickenham with the George Ford incident, the difference between a conversion and uh, a penalty. You can't charge a penalty, but I've gone into the depths of the laws and all this stuff. Nigel Owens talks about it very well. He says, within 10 metres... You can't charge a kick, but the French have reacted because the ball has fallen off the tee. And then Christoph Ridley, I don't think, has done anything wrong. He's just sent him back from the first charger. 
who's not actually probably within 10 meters but he put it on the tee and it's just all the emotion growing and you know all that tension and then there is a second i think it's Taufi Fanua who has a little sort of stumble towards it the and you're allowed time. to do that so you can pretend to charge it down but you go into like this you circle can't of fire I don't, think, I don't, go into I don't think you can charge it down but you can move if you're not within 10 metres I didn't think you could do that I thought you had to stand well, still it's etiquette isn't it um, oh fuck the etiquette <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean everyone's saying I'll oh, reset the shot clock you know or give him the chance to take the kick again because he's charged but Christoph Ridley's in a tough position one he's in France mm. two if he lets him retake it he ain't getting out there alive probably um, <laughs> and three I just think it's really unfortunate circumstances yes Taufi Fanua who's the second guy that moves towards the ball that's bad sportsmanship but he's actually not within 10 metres I don't think so it just all looked wrong yeah it did like at the end like yeah. it just it, yeah I agree yeah, it just looked like chaos and I, if I'm Christoph and I'm not and it's a tough position Massive moment. I just think no one would be out. Like, if we, we were here now and he stopped it and said, Look, calm down, Pablo, get off the pitch, mate. You're not needing anymore. You've got your bag, you know, you've got your water, like, you're not needed. Get off, lads, don't move. Rugby etiquette. Paolo, off you go again, brother. Yeah. What you were joking about last week, I had Italy by four and I kind of said it thinking, Jess, Guzzi, Paul Gustard, who's at Stade Francais, we've seen the clips that have gone viral around some of their players. Guzzi had France by 40. <laughs> I said, Guzzi, mate, you are so French then if you think that. There's no chance. But then it, it could have been. But yeah. as we know, it wasn't. And it feels like an Italy win. It's funny, actually, lads. I obviously live in here, coming into contact with a lot of French guys all the time sort of thing. A big thing, speaking to some of the players who are on the fringes of the squad and speaking to guys in the squad and speaking to some of the staff here, that World Cup quarterfinal defeat has hit them massively. They felt like it was their World Cup. They felt like it was it was everything was aligned for them. They were playing brilliantly. They beat the All Blacks in the first game. Both of you guys know what French people can be like. They're very emotional. So whereas you look at, say, like a team like Ireland, who had just as good a chance as winning the World Cup and disappointment of getting knocked out in the quarterfinal stage, Ireland have been able to park that professionally, move on to the next tournament and do a job each, each sort of match coming up. France have probably lingered on that a little bit and are just look a little bit like the France of old Yeah. before Sean Edwards came in. They look a little bit, you, you're not quite sure what's going to sort of come out of the tunnel. You're not quite sure what the energy levels are going to be like. You're not quite sure if they're, you know, if they're up for it or not. And they look a little bit like almost they want to just get this season out the way, if that makes sense, after the disappointment of, you know, a few months ago. But speaking to a few of the lads, they, they seem that that's, that's a big thing. They've obviously had a bit of a reshuffle in the coaching team as well. So that's going to take a little bit of time. But the big thing around it has been that emotion around it, where it just seems to have absolutely zapped them for, from that quarterfinal in, in a home World Cup. I don't know whether you've got to the point now where it's the Spider-Man thing where everyone's pointing at each other like as in it's your fault, like you're looking the same. Yeah. That My experiences of being there and with Fabian Galtier was it was exactly that. You're the players, we're the coaches, it's your fault. And like I imagine after the World Cup and the questions that would have been asked at a higher level, and we know how crazy it is up in the, the French Federation and everything around that, as in, I don't imagine... You're not talking about corruption and Bernard Laporte. It's <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. It's mental, you know? But they're going to be there. They're going to be looking round, and I imagine they're going to be blaming Jonathan Dante for making a reckless tackle. It's his fault. That's why. It ain't yeah. our fault. Yeah. It's his fault. For Blame any, anyone but yourself. The anyone way. but yourself. Blame and the English that, guy and, first, and, and then and, if that doesn't stick... And that's what happened after the World Cup, though. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. So instead of Ireland sucking it up, and there was decisions in that game in the Ireland's All Blacks match around yep. the scrum and stuff like that, where it was like 50-50 calls, it didn't go their way. But ultimately, like you said, 
They got on with it. They were knocked out. And probably it was a bigger story with Ireland because they were world number one. The fact that they'd never qualified uh, past the quarterfinals is a bigger story for Ireland, arguably, than France, unless you are in France. But they've gone on and dealt with it. But they look unrecognisable. They're obviously missing their their night. Look, you watch Luku and Jali Bear for Bordeaux and they look absolutely world-class. For me, there's a big, big difference when you play 9 and 10 at club level and when you play nine and ten at international level, and those, mm. I think those two are probably finding out that it's a huge step up, and 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 they've got huge boots to fill as well, haven't they? In terms of you know impossible, boots yeah, the to pressure fill as well with that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's impossible to fill to fill Dupont's boot. He's probably the, the the best player of our generation, so you know it's impossible to fill his boots. And Intermac and the way that they work in sync, and they've guided France to this success over the last four years as well. So, so I think that's maybe a little bit of a problem they've also spent 110 minutes with just 14 men on the field out of 260 which i mean is going to give you serious problems whoever you're playing sort of thing so you know, french red discipline, card against, discipline. Um, but also the way that italy are playing now yeah yeah do you know what again they they should and or could have been out of sight couldn't they at halftime france you know the amount of pressure they had yeah. the amount of yeah. phases in italy's 22 but they what they are at the minute it's italy are so so brave so resilient and they dug in just to be 13-3 at half time or whatever it was or 10-3 was was some effort from them and then and then probably they they were probably a little bit unlucky not to win the game normally i thought um i thought they played the better rugby in that second half again with with 14 men and i mean obviously the incident at the end was was really unfortunate but yeah i i, I agree i think i think france france look like they're missing some some key key players on top of the emotional hangover from the World Cup. The French team, Bard Dupont, isn't that dissimilar to what played in the World Cup. Mm. You know, you still got Cyril Bay, Winnie Antonio, you've got Marchand, you've got Marvaca in the front row. Those sort of players, they're all still there. They're missing Dupont. Audrey didn't play at the weekend. Dante gets sent off before half time. Jalibert goes off injured. So they've got Ramos, who's mm. a fullback but does play a lot at ten for Toulouse, who's yeah. gone to ten. You've then moved Labelle to fullback, Mofana on the wing, yeah. and you're playing with one less because of Dante. So there was loads of things that went against them, but Biggs is right. Italy were very good in, in patches. France, who beat the All Blacks in the opening game, yeah. and then the All Blacks nearly put 100 points on Italy yeah. a few months ago at the well, World France Cup. France put 60 on them in the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. And it was a very similar team. Yeah. A huge thing to say is, I generally believe this, with Dupont and um, Intermac in that team yesterday, I think France go in at halftime 27-3 up. Yeah, but even Jalibert played at the World Cup. He was the 10 at the World Cup, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he looks a nasty injury yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like, D- missing Dupont, world's best player. Aldrich wasn't playing. The red card. There was, a, there was a lot of things that went against them. They've got a fantastic squad. Like Biggs has mentioned it. You've got a 9 and 10 who are world-class at Bordeaux. And if you go based on the money that they're paid and you've got Ramos as well, who is a fantastic player, like Biel Bire, I can't even say his name properly. Uh, Moafane, the size of the human beings that they've got. Gregory Aldrich, Charles Olivon whatever second rows they decide to put in. Uh, Muvaka at hooker. Bugarit at hooker. You've, yeah, you've got these lads coming through. And this is no disrespect to Italy. May should be winning. You should be winning. And that comes down to the person that's fronting it. And then you hear all those things about Sean Edwards. Who has Sean you... Edwards ever fell out with? Though? Who Sean no. Edwards ever fell out with? No, no one. one. No one. And he's but getting the blame. Did you hear Sean Edwards after the game? What? During his interview. Like, he's done a bit of a French thing but he's English so he's gone uh, you know we expect to beat Italy defensively we did well like his area like his little his not little area but his area he's like defensively yeah. with 14 men we can see 13 points you know but it's the attack so they're all at it Spider-Man's yeah. everywhere pointing at each yeah. other 
Yeah. Fair if, play I mean, to Sean's him. got a point in fairness. Yeah. He's he's kept he's kept Italy to one dry with fourteen men yeah. for forty one minutes or whatever 100%. it is. So Sean's Sean's probably um, and I'm speaking speaking to all the players. But the players love Sean. Yeah. The players love Sean as well. Absolutely love him. And um, it's quite funny because he's doing the same sort of drills he was doing for us with Wales and just replicating them with France. <laughs> <laughs> the Auckland <grid. laughs> But we should give a shout out to a few of the Italian players. Like we spoke about Menoncello, Ignacio Brex, uh, Ange Kupawatsu as well, Paolo Garbisi and their attack and taking the ball to the line and taking risks all, like, all the way up into the last minute when they're trying to run it from their own trial line. You're yeah. like, no, don't do it. But they're actually yeah. making yards and they're making metres like there. You think they're without two of their best carriers, Lorenzo Canoni and Seb Negri, friend of the show as well, like as in their big ball carriers. And Gonzalo Casada has said, like, we're missing two of our big balls like to get over. So they've done that without them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I say they've done that. I'm asking if they're winning. Sorry, like it does sound like Italy have won, yeah. but to get a draw against France the way in which they did, I think it's massive for Italian rugby. The feel good is all around Italy, isn't it? Rather than rather than France, obviously. So again, speaking to Sergio Parise, because he was coached by Gonzalo Casada in um, in Stade Francais, and he said that his attention to detail and his ability to give confidence to players. It's going to stand this Italian team in really good stead because they've got some fabulous players, haven't they? As the, the players we've just mentioned, with a couple of returning for the trip to or for the for the game against Scotland and the and the trip to Wales, and and I do I really believe that they've got something in them, and they were really unlucky against England. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Clearly outclassed by by Ireland, but but they stuck in. Yeah, they stuck in, but they're certainly not going to be the the last team to be outclassed by Ireland. Obviously, a brilliant performance yesterday. So, so there's no doubt that they'll fancy themselves in Rome in, in 10 days' time. And they'll certainly fancy a trip to Cardiff in two or three weeks' time as well. So from all, all the things I'm hearing about him, um, Gonzalo Casada, he's he, he's obviously got a really good record in France as a coach with Stade Francais and the ability to give players confidence in the structure and the shape that they play and attention to detail is only going to stand Italy in, in good stead moving forward. And just like you mentioned Sergio Parise then, was he in training this morning? He was. He was. Um, he seemed okay, actually, to be fair. He didn't seem too too downbeat or too too disappointed. Because he was on um, ITV yesterday looking, a mil- tell him he looked a million dollars yeah. or yeah. a million euros, we'll call it, not yeah. a million dollars, a Remember million euros. Smokes I, th- well. I think he's probably worth a couple of million euros as well, Judy, yeah. so that's probably why he looked a million euros. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's looking all right, yeah. Yeah. I fell in love with him again on TV. I was like, oh. Yeah, but the future's bright for Italian rugby. <laughs> yeah. Under-20s beat the French under-20s as well. Yeah. Nearly beat Ireland the week before. They're one of the best under-20s team in the world at the minute. So, yeah, watch this space. What about Ross Vincent as well? Ross Vincent? Yeah. Well, Vincent. Yeah. Hello. Delivering, what was he doing? Dominoes, was he? A few weeks back. Mm. As a student down at Exeter, and now he's playing Six Nations. There you go. Great story. Great story. Biggs, been an absolute pleasure having you on again, mate. Want to see you playing, though? I keep looking out for two long fixtures and <laughs> Dan Bigger Don the 10 shirt. I knew, I knew that you hadn't played when I saw the result in Pooh, so against Perpignan on this week, you're going to be back and hopefully run the ship for too long so good luck mate great to have you on again thanks lads always a pleasure hope to be back soon yeah awesome quick predictions before you go so does Scotland beat Italy in Rome do Scotland beat Italy in Rome yes by by a couple of scores I think and I think Ireland beat England but again not by as much as people think I'd say probably by by a score or two again I think I think Ireland would be too strong I've got to be honest I fancy I fancy mm. Wales at the minute to do a job the way things stand at the minute I think they'll be they'll be more confident going into that game after the result yesterday so um, yeah I fancy Wales to, 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 to claim a scalp 
That a boy. The great Dan Bigger. I'm with him. I'll just, whatever he says, I'll just go with. Yeah, we'll agree. <laughs> Bigs knows. Bigs knows. Cheers, buddy. Awesome, Bigs. Cheers, mate. Thanks, lads. Thanks, buddy. Legend. Top, Top lad. lad. Yeah. yeah. Friend of the show? No. Part of the family, nearly, isn't he? Part of the family. I don't know whether it's a good family to be a part of. <laughs> it's a great family. Hey, it's a bit loose. There are, hey, a bit rough and ready. There are hundreds of thousands of listeners, and it's our family, Jim, isn't it? It is. He's in. He's like a cousin. We're like the two Alangis, aren't we? It's dynasty. <laughs> hey? Why are you laughing, Rob? You're part of the family. <laughs> right, lads. Let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Seamless. Didn't even look down for that one. No. So he is comfortable. Well, he, he hasn't got it fully right, though, has he? No, because it's brought to you by... Morland Brawl. Rob, are you using Morland Brawl? I do, mate, yeah, yeah. What do you think of it? How have you got some? Did you buy it or Jim give you, you some? You did buy it? No, you gave me about two years ago. You gave us a moment to come on. Rob, now you make Two it, years! Mate, <laughs> mate, we're family. I've got the moisturiser, I've got the t-shirt. I've, I've got, got nothing. Yeah, well, he's lying because there is no t-shirt. <laughs> shirt, well, so he's where's just mine? Stuff, I say it every Green week. Room. Before you run off and get your popcorn, it's out there. But you, if you want to buy I've some I've got Andrew, parents evening tonight, that's what I've got all right, to go Well, for. then you can't. You need to go to morelandbrawl.com yeah. and get yourself a caveman set. What does the caveman set get you? A cave? No, it doesn't. It makes you be able to live in the cave right? and you don't need to worry about a thing because you'll be smelling a million dollars because you'll get the shower gel, the moisturiser and the beard oil. Well, do you get any Vite in there as well? Is there something that I you can... I can put some Vite in for the people, but it's not, I don't know how... More than, more I don't than know how licensed. Oh, yeah, but I don't know how licensed that is. I've not used the Vite. Okay. You have to use it. Actually, I'm getting a bit airy at the back. Are you, <laughs> like, are you getting that or not? Yeah. 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 Alright, I think we've sold more than board.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's start off with the good and we're going to start off with... In France, not the French team. It is the try. Oh, say his name. Daku Wanger. What a Wanger. Daku Wanger. Yeah. I posted it's done over six and a half million views. It's crazy. His try for Stade Francais against Racing was absolutely ridiculous. Daku Wanger. Daku Wanger. Do you reckon he's got a Wanger as well? It doesn't matter. No. He could have nothing. He He could have nothing. (laughs) And scoring that, it doesn't matter. I'd rather have nothing and have done that in my lifetime. Yeah. So a massive shout out to Daku Wanger for his try. What else was good? Let's go to the Calcutta Cup then. Fourth straight time that Scotland have beaten England for the first time since 1896, Jim. Do you know how many yeah. years that is? No, it was a long time. How many oh, years? I look forward. What was it? 128. Oh, is it? There you go. Yeah. I was about to say, I was about to actually think about it and work <laughs> yeah. it back, but we haven't, we've run out of time. There you go. So a uh, massive shout out to Scotland for... Again, the second biggest ever victory over England. Dr. James Robson sticking with the Scotland theme. Yes. What a picture. That's his last home game. It is. In the Six Nations. Legend. Yeah. He absolutely. sorted me out loads of times. Did he? I say sorted me out, looks after me. Like, like finger like, up the... Everything. Mate, you, his finger has been in every hole of mine. <laughs> oh, I'll be God. honest, to fix it, whatever you want. Massive shout out to James Robson, Dr. James Robson, yeah. on his career and the picture of him on the shoulders of players holding up the... Calcutta Cup will be one that will be on his mantelpiece for a long time. Duan van der Merwe obviously gets a shout out as well. First ever hat trick by a Scot, even though he said he was playing for England in the interview. So first ever hat trick by a Scot against England in 153 years. So well done, Big Duan. Yeah, I hope he doesn't play against England next year. Mm. Keeps killing us that boy. But uh, everyone's saying, oh, he's South African. We'll speak to James Lowe, Mac Hansen, Bundiaki. Oh, who's saying this? Oh, just people on. You oh. know, when you're talking about Duan. You've said it a million times. Duan van der McMurver. <laughs> I tried to say it on the show at the weekend. Duan van der McMurver. I've messed it up. I've just oh, nailed it there seamless, yeah. but I fucked it up. There we go. What else was good? Italy. Get a shout in the good. So close to their first away win over France in the Six Nations, but showing some real signs of progress. And sticking with Italy, this week, the good goes to Italy under-20s, James. Oh, referenced it earlier. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. They beat France under-20s for the first time ever in their history. 
Not only that, though, their scrum was ridiculously good. And then they sang Nessam Dorma in the changing room to celebrate. So if you haven't seen that clip, get on there. That is proper, mm. proper good singing of Nessam Dorma. Italy under 20s. They nearly beat Ireland the other week, didn't they? Yeah, they're coming good. Italy under 20s, you win the good this week. The bad, a few bits of bad. We're going to start off with Racing. We spoke about them in the good, but not in a good way, because uh, Daku Wanga scored an unbelievable try against them. But anyway, they lost the derby at home to Stade Francais, which is four defeats in a row now, and they're back down in mid-table after leading the way for so long in the top 14. England get a mention the bad this week. 22 turnovers, conceded 25 handling errors. Really disappointing performance after 20 minutes from England. But the bad this week, we're going to go to France. We're going to give it to France. Three straight home games without a win. Played half the tournament down to 14 men. Something's not right. It ain't great. So France, they're going to get the bad this week. Then the ugly. Only one bit of ugly, really. We spoke about it earlier. Jonathan Dante. Two upright in the tackle. Running the risk of getting a head-on-head collision. Flying into it as well. At pace. Uh, Didn't even dip. No complaints at all with a red card there. So that's why Jonathan Dante wins the ugly. Massive shout-out before we go. Oh, Go on. Andy Rowe. Baby. They had it? Yeah. Baby Jim. <laughs> Baby they Jim. They called him Big Jim. Baby Jim. Big Jim Rowe. No, they did not call Matilda. him. Matilda. Baby Matilda. They had a lovely little girl. Ah, congrats yeah. to Andy Rowe. I saw the photo, which was very nice. So, Andy Rowe, we know you listen. I hope she's got Jackie's looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she has. Yeah. I think she has. Congrats, so, Andy. Yeah. And Jackie. Exactly. Matilda Rowe. Matilda Big Jim Rowe, apparently. That's what he said. <laughs> there you go. Which we'll take. So, Andy Rowe, big shout out to you. Um, I'd say we miss you, but we don't. <laughs> but we love you. Cheers. Right. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, James. And Thank thanks, you. producer Rob. Cheers, boys. Yeah, you haven't given much today. Sorry, lads. I'm, I'm dusty. No, okay. Thanks, Dan Bigger, as well. But yeah, but that, that's, you're coming on to that. Rob didn't give us much, but the great Dan Bigger gave us a lot. As did the listeners. They did. So, thank you for yeah. listening, everyone. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. And make sure you've subscribed, subscribed on, on Spotify. On Spotify. Nearly seamless, that a boy. Ruby Spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. Uh-huh.